What's going on, guys? This is Looking Ahead to Beto Days. I'm your host, Chris, and we've got all sorts of stuff to dive into today, so let's uh, let's get right into it. We're going to start with a little bit of Beto news. Uh, Beto had an incredible weekend in South Carolina, which saw him own the stage at Jim Clyburn's Fish Fry. Um, Beto talked from the heart and about all of the people he had met uh, and what he had learned, uh, specifically naming Robert Smalls. He, uh, he had met with the Gullah Geechee people prior um and he went down there and he he went and he went through all the sites these people don't get a lot of uh, a lot of attention on an on a national stage um but uh, one of the most specific things that i saw from that was he he visited the grave of robert smalls for those of you who don't know uh robert smalls was a a slave who escaped um in the most daring fashion possible um he stole a confederate ship um, and sailed it out of uh, Charleston Harbor, um, like right past Fort Sumter. Uh, he had to go through all the motions just to to make them because he he couldn't like necessarily hide the hide his ship because the Confederates would have known what was happening. So he he played like he was a real Confederate ship, got past Fort Sumter, and then sailed a Confederate ship right at Union lines. Um, they eventually wave the white flag. He gets taken aboard, and uh, I, I believe what he says was uh, what what he said was, um, "I've uh, I've commandeered the ship for uh, Uncle Abe." Um, that's not even just the craziest thing about him. After after the war, he ran um, ran for Congress, and he actually became a, a representative. He doesn't get as talked about as much, but he's a he's a really important guy. You should definitely look him up. Um, some of the most impressive stuff that uh, Beto had from that was, uh, and and was said about Beto was from James Clyburn himself. Um, Clyburn said that uh, he had an immense amount of respect and praise for Beto. Um, He actually detailed the story where John Lewis held a sit-in on the floor of Congress um, and they they didn't know if they could do it. Um, So they were all down there and they didn't know what was going to go on. And and Beto came up and he brought, uh, he brought some cameras and with these cameras, he started live feeding it on Facebook, and was when he started live feeding it on Facebook, they got a lot of uh, a lot of attention. So a lot of people who were online and saw this said um, that oh, you guys stay where you're at. We're going to come down there, and a lot of people showed up on the lawn. This is this is some of the hard work that Beto and has done, and this is this shows how much respect he has within uh, Congress himself. Um, like I said, he had a he had a pretty strong weekend, and he followed that Friday up with an absolute fire speech at the South Carolina Democratic Convention. Um, prior to the convention, he actually had a, a meetup where he got with some uh, some volunteers and some Beto fan that will supporters. Not when if you're a supporter, you're a fan. Let's be serious. Um, and he led these supporters down to the convention hall. He led them through the building, down an escalator, flags waving, chanting. Um, and then they, they walked right into the floor, right through all of the people. And instead of going on stage, Beto pulls out a chair, he stands on it, and he gives an absolutely amazing speech. It was a rousing speech from the floor um, where he everybody was on their feet afterwards it was amazing if you haven't seen it go and look it up it is definitely uh definitely good stuff um but you know with that kind of weekend how how do you top that um and 
with Beto, you do it by dropping a new policy plan, and that's what he did on Monday. He dropped a policy plan that uh, that seeks to take care of our veterans. Um, I'm not going to go into detail on that right now just because um, we're going to do a whole episode on it. It's a really, really good policy. Um, you should definitely look into it. Uh, it's it's pack full of stuff that's going to take care of, of our veterans, and it'll deter any future wars that may um, come up. But uh, a, a weekend like that makes for an entire episode, uh, or just on its own. Um, but, uh, I mean, he was busy. He was crushing it. That being said, uh, today's topic of discussion is Beto's uh, voting rights policy plan. Um, I'm going to, like always, I, I like to lead you guys off with a Beto quote because who says it better than the man himself? So uh, Beto is quoted as saying, ours is a government for the people and by the people. Yet when it comes to that quintessentially democratic act, people voting, the number t- numbers tell a different story. For decades, tens of millions of people have been disenfranchised by law or practice. Many have not voted, not because they love our democracy any less, but because but because they have literally have been literally drawn out of it. And you know that specifically speaks to gerrymandering uh, lines. And this plan is extremely comprehensive. So what we're going to do is we're going to take this piece by piece. And the way I do that, and you guys might hear pages flipping because I actually take the policy plan and go through it page by page to make sure you guys get it, uh, detailed to you. So we're going to jump right into that. And, uh, I'm going to, I'm pulling this straight from his, his policy on the page. Uh, Beto firmly believes that who casts the ballot is every bit as important as who is on the ballot. Um, he's, he basically unveiled a three-part plan to increase voter registration by 50 million voters and raise voter turnout to historic 65%. Um, the reforms will seek to have 35 million new voters cast ballots in 2024. That's a really big deal. Um, it's a lot of people. And just to, to think that that many people in the greatest democracy in the world aren't represented it's it's a real travesty but we're gonna i'm gonna go through the three prongs real fast uh number one is he wants to increase participation in our democracy by growing the ranks of eligible registered voters and limiting permanent incumbency to inspire a new generation of americans to run for office number two he wants, wants to remove barriers within our democracy by making it easier for everyone to make their voices heard and number three he wants to rebuild confidence in our democracy by aggressively confronting interference in our elections and uh, building confidence in our institutions so Americans have faith that our electoral po- uh, electoral process represents their interests, not those of corporations, special interests, or foreign powers. Um, now obviously, this is coming on the heels of 2016, where we had massive um, interference, uh, whether you know, some people want to believe it or not, it is fact um, it has been detailed. They 100% interfered with our um, with our election. Um, we're going to start with the increasing the participation in our democracy. Um, like I said, Bader's going to pursue a plan to register at least 50 million additional voters. Um, and it, he doesn't care. He doesn't care if they're uh, Democratic, Republican, or Independent. He just wants to make sure everybody has their voice heard. Um, Equally, uh, one of the more controversial parts, but I, I personally agree with this, is the limiting uh, the permanent encompassy that defines so much of our our system. If you think about it, um, Strom Thurmond, who lived to be like a hundred, 
um he he was a, a career politician he ran for president in 1948 and lived to the the early 2000s and he was still in office in congress that that shouldn't happen um so kind of what he wants to do is he wants to um he wants to limit much like the u.s president has two terms he wants to lim- limit uh the senate senators to two terms or 12 years um the house members to six terms or 12 years which is what he did when he was a uh, representative in congress and he wants to limit the uh, supreme court to 18 years for the supreme court um, after which the justices would be permitted to serve on uh, the federal court of appeals, which that makes sense to me. That one, that's going to be the hard part. That's going to be the the much more difficult part uh, to sell. Um, but he also wants same day voter registration. Um, it's simple, effective, and secure, and is actually currently working well in, in twenty states plus the District of Columbia. He also wants to ensure that young people are registered to vote. This is this is a real problem. I mean, I've talked to people in in uh, in stores like young people working and they want to get active and they want to get involved but they just don't know how to get registered to vote and they don't necessarily have people to tell to tell them um or that they need to register to vote so Beto wants to ensure any automatic um voter registration plan also includes pre-registration for 16 and 17 year olds um you know if you're registered to vote when you're 17 whether you can vote or not it uh it ensures that when you turn 18, you actually have the ability to uh, vote when when you can. He also wants to mobilize high schools, vocational schools, colleges, and universities to play their part in amplifying the next generation's voice at the ballot box. By registering students, encouraging participation, and providing campus vote coordinators. I remember seeing when I was I'm a, a, an Old Dominion University alumnus, I do, do remember seeing people out there but not enough there's there's not enough emphasis uh on on making sure that college students are registered to vote he also wants to he also wants to remove barriers um within our democracy he wants to introduce legislation amending section two of the voting rights act to make clear that even seemingly race neutral election regulations are unlawful when they result in disproportionate impact on racial minorities um, and he wants to redirect resources at the Department of Justice towards robust, aggressive enforcement of current laws protecting all of our voting rights. Um, if you look at the election that took place in Georgia, there was absolutely, you know, that was an unfair election. You had three-hour lines. You had voting machines that were never pulled out. And these were mostly in um, in districts of with people of color. That that hurts our democracy when not everybody gets to use use their voice. He also wants to crack down on draconian voter ID laws. Um, he wants to work with Congress to pass legislation that allows people without identification to vote with a sworn written statement of identity. Um, if you can use your gun, or excuse me, if you can use your ID to buy a gun, you should be able to use your ID to vote. Plain and simple. That's that should be across the board bang boom done he wants to prevent politically motivated state officials from purging the voter rolls to game the system so if you have somebody who hasn't voted in a few years you shouldn't be able to have your right taken away from you just because you haven't used it right um it's unfair and it's it's being used in a system to to purge political opponents he wants to invest in human-centered voter design that expands vote by mail and early voting and makes National Voting Day a national holiday, uh, which it should be. 
um, we everybody should be able to get out and vote regardless of uh, their job. Um, that's plain and simple. That should be something we've been doing forever. Um, he wants to provide federal resources to facilitate voting by mail. So if you're out of state or you go to college in Colorado and you can't fly home to, say, Virginia to vote, you can do that by mail. And you want to work, he wants to work with Congress to pass legislation preventing states from limiting those who can vote by mail. Um, and he also wants to extend early voting to two weeks, including weekends before Election Day, just to make sure everybody gets their voice heard plain and simple. Uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's what this is all about. Um, he also wants to start placing polling stations at grand iconic locations near public uh, transportation, places that people can get to easily so that they can actually go out there. If you have to take six or seven buses to go out um, to vote, it's, it's going to be a pretty big deterrent. You know, it makes it harder for you to get and do what you need to do. He wants to improve voting accessibility for individuals with disabilities by addressing issues with poll worker uh, training and physical bar barriers to access. Um, if you're in a wheelchair, there should be a ramp. Plain and simple, you should be able to 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 manipulate the line just as easily as somebody who wasn't um, disabled. Um, and he also wants to make it easier for voters to be educated and informed. When they when you go to vote, you should know who you're voting for. You should know their policies. And I know that that's um, in in many cases that's that's on the voter. But if you could go to one place as opposed to having to go to everybody's website, um, you you you'll have more educated voters. That that makes sense to me. He wants to start funding civic education grants and piloting efforts to uh, interact at, with and pre-mark ballots. Um, and then uh, he wants to rebuild confidence in our democracy. I kind of touched on that a little bit earlier with the with the whole Russia thing, the the whole idea that Russia was even able to interfere with our elections is just mind blowing to me um, that that's it shouldn't happen. But since it did, we're going to he, he wants to take the steps to make sure that it doesn't ever happen again. He wants to improve our election infrastructure and aggressively tackle interference in our elections. And uh, he wants to align their systems with cy uh, cybersecurity um, standards, uh, invest in paper ballot systems, and perform risk-limiting audits to confirm election outcomes. He wants to require online platforms to disclose sponsors of political ads as well on their sites. If there's a political ad on your site, you should know where it came from. If you're looking at something, you should know that know the source so that you know that it's it's verified and then you know it's a solid source uh there's a lot of disinformation that happened during the 2016 election um uh that that whole whole election um the uh investing in paper ballot systems that makes sense to me too um i had also heard him talk about wanting to have receipts after you vote which can be problematic if you have somebody you know i mean my wife made the example of, a, of an abusive situation abuse Abusive situation, meaning like a, a husband is abusive and he wants his wife to vote a certain way. So if she doesn't and he has proof of it, you know, he can he can abuse her. Um, that's that's specifically what I mean. Um, but there's I, I feel like there's there's got to be ways around that. You need to know that your vote went to where you cast it. And, and that's plain and simple. Um, one of the biggest things, and it's a big topic right now in our country, is gerrymandering. For those of you who don't know what gerrymandering is, gerrymandering is um, basically where politicians draw the uh, 
draw their their districts so that they can have the people that they want in their district um so that they get elected every time he wants to he wants to end that so that each american's vote should count um equally uh, he wants to enact legislation that empowers independent commissions for redistricting to ensure the makeup of districts ref- that the that the makeup of districts reflect the preferences of voters statewide. You shouldn't have a um, a district that is like a rectangle and then a line. That just that doesn't that doesn't flow well. One and it it's it's cherry picking. It, it takes people who who want to have their voice heard equally out of it. And uh, he wants to uh, protect the accuracy of the census, and he can do that simply by eliminating the the citizenship question on the census. Um, the The last piece that we're going to go through is uh, he wants to get uh, get money out of politics. Um, you, we we all know that Beto is not taking money from PACs. We're he's completely find, funded by us, the people. Um, but that's not everybody, and it should be. Uh, he wants to end the inappropriate influence of political action committees by banning PAC contribu- contribution to campaigns, limiting contributions to, in- to issue PACs, um, inaugural committees, and post-retirement foundations to $2,000. And he has on here that he wants indexed with inflation. Um, he wants to require PACs to disclose all donors at any amount. Support low-dollar contributions by providing a match for contributions up to five hundred dollars, and then and then make them tax de- deductible. I've donated to his um, uh, his campaign on a number of times. They've all been low-dollar, so you know a nice tax deductible would be we kind of sweet. I'm not gonna lie. Um, he wants to bring transparency to corporate donations by requiring public companies, large private companies, and all government contractors to disclose all political contributions and federal lobbying uh efforts um he also wants to institute real-time transparency transparency for donations of a thousand dollars or more by requiring disclosure within 48 hours he wants to prevent u.s companies uh with substantial foreign ownership from inappropriately spending money to affect our elections and he wants to reduce contribution limits for political parties currently a single donor can give more than 2.5 million dollars to state and national committees of a political party so basically that makes it so the the rich um can 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 skew what they want you see that a lot with like the Koch brothers and i know that everybody throws out george soros you know it, there's people on on both sides of 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 this and there there will be but if we limit that it won't won't continue to happen um and, and he's he's going to make sure that our we have a government for the people like we built this thing that's what the constitution by the people. Um, so he, to do that, he wants to hold monthly town halls, and he will encourage elected uh, federal elected officials to do the same. Um, he's he loves a good town hall, and the, he he his speech in South Carolina on Saturday was very much town hall esque. He wants to ban federal lobbying by anyone who is in a federal elected office and prohibit senior staff from federal lobbying for a period equal to the time they were in such a role or six years, whichever is greater. He wants to ban anyone who is in a federally elected office or Senate approved office or anyone reporting directly to them from working for for or owning any part of an entity they regulated while in government. That makes sense. You know, 
got a little bit of bias if you if you have something to gain out of it. But that's again, that's for a period equal to the time they were in such a role or six years, whichever is greater. He wants to prohibit members of Congress from accepting political contributions from companies representing a sector regulated by a committee on which the member sits. Uh, rank and file employees, small businesses, and people who live in the members' district would obviously be exempt. Um, that's pretty much the whole thing, and that's that's what the uh, the crux of our discussion is going to be for the day. So today for our discussion, I have two guests with me. Um, first, I have Daniel Golden. Hey guys, I'm Dan. Um, I am a teacher. I'm a social studies teacher, eighth grade. I just and also special education. I am a father of two boys, five and three. So I have my hands full. Um, I'm very happy to be here to talk about Beto and about some issues of our day um, with voting. And we also have Ashley Chera. Hey y'all, I'm Ashley and I'm a recently graduated law student um, currently living in South Carolina and have a little bit of a past in politics but looking forward to starting a career in college athletics. Not very cool. Um, so we're gonna dive right into this, and we're gonna we're gonna start off with same day and automatic voter registration. Now, Ashley, you have a little bit of experience with uh, with this kind of stuff. What are some of the drawbacks? Um, because Beto is has has referenced um, how successful it is in um, various states. Um, what are some of the drawbacks that you can see from same day and auto automatic? Well, excuse me, same day registration. We'll get into automatic voter registration in a second. I think some of the issues with same-day voter registration are predominantly administrative. I think the concept behind it could, can work really well and clearly is in several states. But in my experience, visiting precincts, running campaigns, those are volunteers. They're not super well trained. When you are then adding the concept of same-day registration, that's a whole nother set of laws, a whole nother set of administrative capabilities that those people have to have and then if it's the state that's going to kind of enforce those things it's now a state financial issue too so i think those are the predominant issues and the little old ladies at my precinct probably aren't who i want registering people to vote that's a uh, that's a, a fair assessment. I mean, if you've got volunteers, they probably haven't been trained on that kind of stuff. But what if um, how would, you know, providing a little bit of extra money to actually train those volunteers, do you think that might be able to kind of alleviate that issue? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously adequate training across precincts is general in general is an issue that I've run across is that even when it comes down to what can and can't be inside the voting room, you, they don't always have the right training or adequate training is in my opinion. Um, so yeah, if there if there's funding to do that, that's great. But again, from the state level too, you're now having to administer that across however many precincts there are in a given state and even your your general state level districts could have eight precincts in them. So um, it gets a little complicated. Another issue would actually arise in split precincts as well, because then you have people from multiple localities and multiple districts voting in one precinct. So now you're you're dealing with a whole nother set of situations, something that Virginia specifically has quite a few of. Very good. Um, and Dan, you're you're a teacher, so in, yeah. especially at, in in because you're up in New Jersey. Do they teach uh, Do they teach civics in eighth grade? I know that that's what they teach down in Virginia. No, um, they would teach civics either in seventh grade, that's U.S. history, or in tenth or eleventh grade. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a 
it's actually was thinking about talking about that later on. It's not an actual class in school. It's part of the curriculum. It's part of like the actual history curriculum. Okay. Uh, and I think it should be a class in school, even if it's a couple some, uh, two semesters, something the kids know what the importance of voting is, and, you know, why they should vote. I try to impart that, and I taught uh, world history this year. I try to tell kids, you know, vote. If you can vote, vote. There's no, you know, register, get yourself out and vote. Now, I, I do the same thing as a, a sixth grade teacher, even with my mm-hmm. sixth graders. I tell them, guys, you need to get out and vote. Um, I think we're, we're 100 years out from women getting the right to vote. Exactly so that, that, that's, that's going to gonna bring us to the automatic voter registration. With automatic voter registration, basically this plan would automatically register voters at 16 or 17 so that when they turned 18, if they had the election the next day, they'd be able to vote. Um, how functional do you, do you think that is? And as a teacher, knowing kids, do you think that would increase the number of, uh, of voter turnout? And um, if, if so, or I mean, if not, why? I don't know why it wouldn't be functional. Um, if it's something that's done beforehand, I know Ashley just talked about the issues with same day. This is assuming, obviously two days is the minimum, but I was born in July and I voted in November. So that gives the state couple or county town several months to figure this out um you know i think it would increase turnout in the sense that it gives kids less something less to do is hey guys you're registered at 18 go and vote uh, i'm not saying it'll increase it exponentially um, but i think it, there seems to be no harm in making it easier especially this generation you know you work with kids you know they like they do the bare minimum so if i say to the you say to the kids hey guys you can go vote in november or in may whatever the next election is you want to vote in you're ready you're ready to go yeah, no, I and I, I agree with that. Um, I push it with my kids. Like I said, I push it with my kids. The the my partner that I teach with also does the same thing. Um, and I think it it offers them a pathway. You know, if they know that they can automatically go out and vote um, and not have to you know do anything, we'd get a few more. Um, people out to vote especially if we put in that importance and another part of this plan that i I mentioned it earlier in the uh earlier on in the podcast uh getting out more education uh educational materials about who candidates are i think that would help them a lot as opposed to having everything everywhere have everything in one concise uh place now actually having worked um in in legislation and around all of that stuff do you think the amount of information you get about um about candidates is adequate or do you think that we're really kind of muddying the waters by having everything from every different direction and people are only going to he- get things from you know what they know um per se and like why or why not i think that when you're getting information direct from a candidate that's that's generally your best set of information and so i think that's one thing Beto has actually done really well is get his information to his audience and it's something that gives even kids, if you want to call them that, the opportunity to break down, do I support or do I not support these people? I mean, they're the ones who are going to be representing me. How do I feel about them as individuals? And then how how do I feel about their policies? I think one of the really interesting things about the potential of an automatic registration is the ability to even move that conversation into schools, not the political he said, she said, into schools, but the concept of how do I look at this and determine who I want to support, how I want to support them, and what my options are. So it's just an additional opportunity. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and again, Beto has done that really, really well. You're actually kind of lucky. You, you're down in Colombia, so you were like, I mean, what, five minutes from where he led the march down to the Democratic uh, mm-hmm. National Convention that I, I mentioned uh, earlier. And it was, that was a big deal. He really, really blew that place up. Now, um, can we hang on to that real quick? Uh, he yeah, go said, ahead. Uh, I actually, when I read over Beto's uh, page, I was thoroughly impressed. Um, I actually read a couple of the, of the people, the um, frontrunners, and he blew me away. It actually reminded me of a, a well-written paper. He made his points and he expanded on, on it. And that's something candidates need to think about is having their sites up, maybe having an app, you know, getting on TV. I know Beto's on TV a lot. I know Buttigieg is on TV a lot. You know, getting out there to get your points across, whether it's written, you know, YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram. And I know Beto's on Instagram a lot. I do follow him. But, you know, that's something candidates need to do to get themselves out there. And it's hopefully something we see going forward. Yeah, you're seeing. See what's going on. Yeah, you're seeing a lot, a big social media push with him. Um, I actually volunteer for him on his social media, and obviously I've started this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's really, really good about getting his information out to people. Mm-hmm. If it's him. either by tone ha- uh, town halls or by uh, his web pages in the the internet, I mean, like he's really, really, really pushed it. Mm-hmm. So let's get into let's let's take this a little bit of a, in a different direction. Um, let's talk about voter registration purges. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, times they are, um, you know, there's the argument that they're they're racially done because, you know, it's in a lot of cases, it's very, very hard to get somewhere to vote. Or like in the case of Georgia, um, there were three hour lines, you know, people in poor neighborhoods aren't going to be able to wait three hours because they have to get back to their jobs. Um, how how do how do we fix that? Like what in our system? Um, how do we fix people from purging people who haven't voted i don't which i don't understand i think it's extremely unfair you don't you know lose your your right to vote just because you haven't done it in a year or two years is there any particular reason that they do that you know of ashley no and you know i've heard i actually did a little research after i read better's website on exactly what he was referencing because it's not something that comes up very often and i think it's something that probably people don't want to talk about because it's hard to get around. Why are you doing this if you're not doing it for um, a backhanded reason? So it's genuinely just not something that you hear discussed very often. Um, I can't come up with a reason why you would do it. Uh, maybe people throwing out the what well, just takes names off the list. It's less to go through, but I just don't see that as a viable reason. If you haven't done something to lose that right, you know, if you haven't committed a felony, etc., and that's a whole different topic, um, <laughs> then. You know, why are you being removed from the rolls it, just because maybe you've missed an election, forgot to send in your ab- absentee ballot, whatever it was? Yeah, no, no. And I, I know you mentioned um, felons and um, them losing their right to vote. Yeah. I'm kind of that's that's a really, really hot button issue. It's very hotly talked about. You know, we have a, a penal system that is supposed to be about reform, but, you know, it's not complete reform because if you commit a crime, you go and do your time and you come back out, why do you still not have, why, why are you still not allowed to vote? You're supposed to be a, a citizen and we, we want you to come back and function as such, um, especially with the racial disparity in the, the penal system. I, it, it seems to me, again, um, that it's it's racially based and, you know, it's, it's, it's a, that's an issue. Like, where, yeah. where, are you, where are you at on that, Dan? Um, so to answer... To answer the first question about the uh, see, uh, pur- the purges, I think it's racially based. You know, there's no good reason other than racial and to try to win an election. Why is why is Brian Kemp 
who's running for 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 governor in charge of that situation like the owner of a team refereeing a game it's something that isn't uh, right there um that's a different story about georgia not uh, you might talk that later it's fine but georgia really bothered me how, how i was able to win the election and literally disenfranchise so many people um as for the the prison issue i know as florida out of, out of all states in this union voted to give felons back the rights to vote I think another state might have also, but they're trying to pass laws to stop that from happening. You know, at some point we had people have to say, why is our, our elected leaders, whatever, whatever party they might represent, why are they making laws to stop people from doing their constitutionally allowed right? Whether you're black, white, you know, immigrant who's now a citizen, it's your right to vote. Whether you miss an election, whether you're a felon, if you do your time, you get out, you get to vote. Uh, one thing I'm sort of on the fence on, but not really, is I don't think criminals in prison should have the right to vote. I think you commit a crime, um, you need to do that time and lose that that right. Maybe if you're a low-level offender, I can see that. But like if you're do something egregious, felony, you should not be allowed to vote while in prison. I, I can agree with that. I'm 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 kind of there too. Um, you know, you have all of your other rights stripped, so you know you end up in a situation. You know, you 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 did a crime. You did, you need to do the, the do the time um, again. It, it can be functional you know if low level offenders um or it, it can vary i mean but that's going to be be very very difficult now i'm gonna i'm gonna change directions a little bit here and um one of uh beto's big things is he doesn't take PAC money uh he takes money from us his entire campaign is by the people for the people he gets out in town halls he's talking every policy that he's put out isn't based off of oh i think this is what um a, a corporation wants me to do it's what people are saying it's what they're telling him he's he's taking stock in this he doesn't take polls because that, that doesn't help him what helps him is us he wants to talk to everybody that's why he went to all 254 um uh counties yeah. in texas that's a huge deal that's a, that's a lot of work <laughs> and, and he's still lost unfortunately um, unfortunately, yes, but I mean, he changed the way that politics are run in Texas, and he's changing the way politics are um, run in 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 America. So, like, where are we at on these on these these packs where they're putting all this this money in? Like, how how do you how do you get that money out, uh, Dan? I, I wish I knew the answer to that question. It's something that's bothered me for several years. I don't think corporations, I don't think rich people should have a say in our government uh, more than we have a say in our government. You shouldn't have a president who's giving wealthy people cabinet positions who are clearly not qualified, um, and not it's not just DeVos. Um, I, I, other than a, a constitutional amendment, I know the Citizens United uh, ruling really hurt our our, our democracy. Um, unfortunately, until we, until there's a more liberal, more moderate Supreme Court, it's going to be a problem. Uh, you're not going to pass a law. You need to have a, a likely have a Democratic Senate and a Democratic president and a House. It just seems like uh, unless the, the politics change and people, more pe different people get into office, it's going to be almost impossible. And it's a shame that the minority controls um, what goes on in this country. No, and I, I can agree, and I can agree with that. And I, there's that's something that's bothered me too, because you constantly see um, something come across the Senate desk, and it's immediately oh, well, it's sh it's shot down by by, by McConnell that. for oh, whatever name. reason. Yeah, do but, your job. <laughs> I am. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, no, it's good. It's good. I mean, the man has a 30% approval rating 
incident he's the the lowest has the lowest approval rating of anybody in congress um that 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 says enough we don't really need to expand on that but actually having having worked campaigns um how much of a problem did you see the PACs becoming how much influence did you see with uh people putting in um like i guess buying politicians it was really interesting because I, i didn't i had a very i think you know, rainbow view of like, oh, PACs aren't a problem when I first started, but they are a problem. And I think there's a place for them. Um, There's a place for the kind of coming together of individuals who want to stand for certain issues. And and that's where PACs can really, really play an influence, especially with just the general getting out there, getting information to everyone. However, the money is, is where the major issue is. And I agree. Citizens United was definitely has definitely played a major role in this because now you have the big packs are now super packs. And so now you see just thousands and thousands, even at the state level, you have hundreds of thousands of dollars rolling in for state level campaigns. And that's crazy when it should be the people speaking. So I definitely think they're a problem. I don't know that a complete and total ban on pack money is necessarily the way to go because some people don't want to donate directly to uh, candidates and would rather kind of circumvent through issue specific topics. But um, I, I think they're a problem and they need to be limited. I have no clue how you would do that. But I, I do think a severe limit on on PAC money at all levels, federal, state, everything is is needed. Yeah, no, I think um, that's like two point people, uh, individuals can donate like $2.5 million to a candidate, which is just absolutely absurd because, right. I mean, it's almost like you're buying that politician. And as, mm-hmm. as far as people not feeling comfortable donating directly to a candidate, I mean, maybe people should educate themselves on a candidate a little bit more. Like I I have watched Beto specifically since uh, – Texas, like I had said, when he if he announces for president, I'm I'm I'm, I'm supporting him. I, I love what this guy's doing. He's he's doing great stuff. And I think so. That, I, that's really cool. And I think Beto's changing things. I think you're completely right. Beto's changing the way people look at politicians. But in the current sphere where I'm sitting here going, I don't align with any of these guys. It's easier for me to say, well, I support this issue. So let me go to this organization. And I think that's the shift we need to start making is back to candidates that are truly listening and that you have to limit that money. So they're all interconnected. There are websites out there like uh, one of those, I figure that they move on other sites that, you know, they educate you on the candidates and give money to certain causes. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of the site and I apologize. I'll try to get to you, Chris. Um, that they, you know, once a primary candidate has been declared, the money goes to that candidate. So even if you're yeah. not sure, you want to get, put money to the, uh, you know, you don't want to, you want to defeat the current president, you know, you might like Beto if he doesn't win or he does win. If you like Warren, she loses, he wins. And when it goes to the candidate who's going to challenge the president next year, that's, a, that's a that's a good point. And, like that. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's that. I, I I totally get where you're coming from. I think a lot of it comes when you have things like the NRA putting money into something mm. and putting a ton of money. What money? Into what one... money? They have no money left. It's a a fair assessment. So we're going to drive this conversation uh, further. And now we're going to talk about something um, that has been a real issue and, again, is racially motivated. And, again, it's it's causing a real problem and it's disenfranchising people. And that's that's gerrymandering. Um, 
Ashley, can you can you give us a rundown of exactly what gerrymandering is? Yeah, so um, districts for your state level and federal level districts are redrawn every 10 years after the census. Um, when this happens, in many cases still today, those, those are drawn either for a specific party, but underneath that is generally it's race-based. So even when you're claiming that it's to, it's to keep an incumbent in office, usually speaking, there is a racial a racial tactic there, and most states still allow their um, state legislatures to draw these districts. Just as an example, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, the um, the House gets together every ten years and redraws these districts. Obviously, they've had some major issues recently um, with, yeah, in the so. Supreme Court, um, but and they redraw them. And generally speaking, you end up with these incumbent proof districts that that are impenetrable so um usually based on race uh i will say virginia did a couple years ago back when i was still in college attempt a redistricting committee got college students involved we all used i was involved in that we all used computer-based programs to redraw the districts some absolutely fantastic ideas came out of that there are a couple of states that are doing that now and using just straight up numbers but um it's a really interesting phenomenon and it's really sad that we're still dealing with it, but there are other options out there. <laughs> oh yeah. Like a hundred percent. It's an issue when you have a, um, a, a district that is like a little bit of a square and then wraps around to the other <laughs> side of a district. Like how does that happen? Like who, who's drawing well, these like man? Yeah. It looks like, a, which is kind of where gerrymandering comes from. Um, mm -hmm. Dan, you can give us a, a bit of a different perspective uh, because you're, you're up in Jersey. And I, I, I mean, having lived there for two years myself, um, I don't know much about the districting. Do you have a real issue with gerrymandering up there? And like, where, where do you know? No, we stand. don't. We don't. I'm not the expert in gerrymandering like Ashley is. Um, and New Jersey is a very blue state, and it has been for several. Even though we had a Republican governor for eight years, um, most of our state senators, most of our Congress people are are um are Democrat. I'm not saying you want to have all Democrats, obviously, but I had a couple of Democrats just won in in red districts in New Jersey. Um, but gerrymandering is not really a problem here. But I do want to plug. Um, our friends at Crooked Media, they're a uh, podcast empire, and they started a site called, I'm going to use my, my curse now, called Fuck Jerry Mandarin. <laughs> um, and they're trying to get out, you know, trying to stop this problem, trying to figure out, you know, how we go about, you know, eliminating the, the racist practice of gerrymandering. Um, obviously, as you mentioned this, you need to have nonpartisan uh, site yeah. organizations doing it, not not like, not Republican Democrats, because even Democrats, I think, gerrymandered too, to a certain point. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everybody's, everybody's, trying, perfect. Perfect. everybody's yeah, trying to get an advantage one way or we're another. We're not perfect, but like I said, you you know you don't want to have the owners running the roughing the game. Like you need to have a fair fair and balanced what Fox News used to be. So just kidding, but um, yeah, you know, you know that's basically what you need to have. You know, nonpartisan and hopefully the organizations like Crooked Media, blank gerrymandering, they get the job done and they hopefully get rid of this problem in our democracy. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's a real problem when we have um, so many people who should be allowed to vote, who can't vote, 
are or just have problems getting to the polls i mean part of uh, beto's plan is you know making them easy to get to people aren't going to you know ride the bus and have to take six or seven different stops and switches train switches bus switches whatever and they they have to voting should be convenient um did you mention about him he want to make a national holiday election day Oh yeah, no, no. Yeah. I, I I had mentioned that earlier in in my intro before okay. I brought you guys on. Um, it should be 100. Yeah, percent There's well, no reason it shouldn't be. The biggest bullshit that McConnell thinks that too many holidays. Well, give it to Columbus Day. Like, <laughs> what did that mean? Yeah. That man raped and killed innocent people. Yeah, I I have <laughs> many 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 feelings on Christopher Columbus. That's that's an whole episode on its oh, on its. I te- I I six I teach <laughs> sixth grade social studies, and he always comes up, and I'm always like. Oh, Guys, we need to let me tell you some other things. Um, (laughs) So something else that's been a a real um, an issue and still in the discussion and especially like right as we were coming on to to start recording, um, it was just announced that special counsel Mueller is going to meet in an open forum in front of two um, two uh, of the the over uh, two of the committees. um, And that is election security. Um, 2016 Russians interfered in our election. There's no doubt about that. Whether certain people want to believe that, um, that's that's on them. You know, the facts are the facts. You can't you can't alter. Uh, there's no such thing as alternate facts. Let's let's just leave it at that. So what what do you think, uh, Dan? What do you think would do, what would you do? You're in charge. You're the guy. How do you make our election um, more safe? You mean from like the outside, like the, the um, Russians, the foreign countries who come in and they buy ads or they troll farms, stuff, stuff like that. Yep, that stuff. Um, got to invest some money. You got to figure out a way to keep it out, um, to block, you know, to be able to read when it's a troll, when it's real. Um, you know, again, limiting the money that comes in. Um, and also admitting it was a problem. You know, our president has not admitted, or he did by accident and took it away, that Russia interfered with our election. You know, I didn't read the Mueller, the Mueller report from front to back, but what I've seen that he laid out that Russia systematically interfered in our, in our election. It's obvious. You know, the fact that, you know, Mr. McConnell, when when the FBI and Obama came to him, said, you go up public with this, I'm going to cry, I'm going to scream murder. You know, that's a problem. When our leaders try to hide what's going on, that's a threat to our democracy. Oh, um, yeah. No, 100%. You know, listen, I understand, you know, McConnell wants a Republican. But to sacrifice our democracy, our country, to, to elect somebody, it's a shame. Um, and, you know, we have to, you know, be, we have to admit it. We have to invest in it. We have to figure out, you know, and be diligent. A hundred percent. So um, when, when you were, uh, Ashley, you, you probably worked the polls. Um, and actually, Virginia does a pretty good job with this. When we go in to vote, we, we do paper forms. Um, we, we bubble in, which yeah. is awesome. Um, but that's not the norm. Mm, like, don't. if you can have somebody... Yeah, that that can be an issue, um, and that's that's something actually Beto is has mm-hmm. has um, is pushing forth. Um, he uh, his his plan covers a lot of these different things, especially like troll farms. You know, you have to tell where your ad comes from. So, Ashley, you, you've heard kind of what Dan would do. Like, how how would you how would you handle the the issue of election security? I I'm actually a huge fan of the of the paper form idea um there are there are several precincts across both south carolina where i am now in virginia that do allow the electronic voting and i think just the straight up fear of of it being hacked is, is a real thing and we've experienced it we know what can happen mm. and admitting that moving forward and saying okay fine we've been doing 
on paper for years. Why does it matter? Why do we need to use electronics? It works. It counts it. It may take a little bit longer, but if that's the most secure that we can make things, let's make it secure and let's get it done. Because the last thing any American should have to worry about is whether or not somebody from a foreign country is influencing their vote. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. Like they shouldn't have to have to worry about that. And they they shouldn't have to worry about votes being switched. I know in Texas there were some people who went in and they knew they put down O'Rourke as their vote and it would switch to Cruz. That was that was a a regular thing. And that's another thing that that Beto is actually putting forth that I've heard him talk about it are are election receipts. Now, the problem with Mm -hmm. the election receipts is if you have an election receipt, it kind of outs you as who you voted for a little bit. And, you know, sometimes you people know and sometimes they don't. But, you know, when I was talking to my wife about it, she said, well, what if you have like an abusive situation? Um, You know, the husband wants the wife to to vote a certain way. And if she's got this receipt uh, on her, he can he he knows. Like, how do you how do you counteract that? Like what? It, what? What are your thoughts on on voting receipts? Which one of those have for? Yeah, I, whichever guys go with this one. This this one's oh, out. This is a, to the floor. One thing I want to mention about Beto's policy and try to answer that question is I've always voted electronically. Um, I've always gone to machine, hit the button, and hit the cast vote. Um, I'm not against the idea of paper. I know Beto wants to do like a national voting, um, uniform voting. Um, but I just one thing I hope that they do is you know. Be, twice in Florida in the last 18 years people have screwed this up um, make sure that it's easy to read and you know you can't cast a wrong vote right. I'm talking to you Broward County um, <laughs> but I, I don't know it's a hard question to answer um, Chris because you don't you don't want to put somebody no matter who where you are who you're with your vote should be private you know so if, if a receipt causes an issue maybe we should be careful with that or maybe the receipt shouldn't be made public if, that, if that's even possible yeah no, that's, and sure. that's that that's the hard part. Like I said, you have the pe- you you have a situation where you have an actual piece of paper on you. Yeah. So maybe I it's better uh, answer than I do on that one. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you, what do you think, Ashley? Let's let's see what you got to say. I think I think it's an interesting concept, and I think mm-hmm. it's definitely a way to kind of say like, okay, this is exact. I know that my vote was cast for who I wanted to vote for, but on the back end of that, say that your receipt came out and it said it was a different name. There, that's a whole nother system that needs to get set up. And how do we actually manage that the receipt that was printed was accurate? And do you see what I'm saying? It, it's kind of, oh, yeah. we're, we're taking this a whole step further versus if we can limit interference and we can limit maybe even stricter um, laws with regards to people um, campaigning outside of precincts and things like that so you're, you're limiting that influence so that people go in they know who they're voting for they vote they leave and we're, we're done i think there are other ways to secure it without necessarily having to put in this whole other set of systems um with regards to a receipt i can agree with that and and as far as the campaigning outside of um, po- um the the voting booths I, I don't know anybody who's ever been gone in to vote that you know knew who they were voting for and then went oh whoa that guy had a really great sign i i I think he's pretty (laughs) much sold me on this so i don't know why they're in there Uh, they have it in virginia you have to be a certain distance away so like they'll be they'll be outside um which i've never never seen it i live in a boring state i never have any lines i never see people you know (laughs) holding signs up New Jersey really sucks come on I need some. Yeah, I mentioned that before. How I I I watch the news and I see hours of waits, and I just can't understand it. Like I literally had like 
maybe it wants a five minute wait. Well, you you have a, a lot of them, like I said, in Georgia, three hour waits, yeah. uh, and they had voting booths or like mm-hmm. voting machines in warehouses. Yeah, they like oh. a lot of that's done on purpose. Mm-hmm. So that's how you end up with lines like that. Yeah. So all right, it's November, it's twenty twenty. You're watching the election. Everybody's counting the electoral college. Your candidate is winning in the popular vote, but they're losing in the electoral college. And this is a this is a um, big issue that we're we're seeing a lot of these candidates bring up. What do we do about the electoral college? I mean, I understand why it was put in place. Honestly, if, if I'm if I'm speaking candidly, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the founding fathers just assumed that Americans were you know too stupid to to like make their own decisions so the electoral college is is there so you know we don't have things happen where you we elected despot or somebody who's super unqualified and we've seen how well that has worked um obviously <laughs> apparently yeah it's it, it is it is because we don't we don't vote for technically like vote for president we vote for electoral college um what do you guys think actually what do you think about getting rid of the electoral college and just going popular vote the i can tell you the the opposite um argument to that is well you have a lot of really really big cities um and and uh, just they're very uh you know like in one spot like you've got new york philly la all these big cities where there's a lot of of democrats Mm -hmm. and they outnumber people like in nebraska where there's nobody really so i mean i i also kind of get it from that aspect but i mean what do you what do you think what do you what do you think about getting rid of the electoral college this is something i've struggled with for a really long time because i understand the modern take on it is preventing that disparity and influence but at the same time i think getting rid of it all like getting rid of it all together just creates you know whoever the people vote for the people vote for I'd honestly like to see someone, and, and I'm probably not smart enough for this, but someone <laughs> come forth with basically a redone version of the Electoral College. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I think we need to account for the disparity of those those high density population areas. But at the exact same time, I, at the moment I'm leaning towards the popular vote. Like I'm so back and forth, but I do, I see both arguments and I'm torn. I'm super torn. Yeah, no, me too. I, I see I see the importance of it and I think of both sides and I'm like, man, this is just a really um really tough topic and I agree with you. Maybe we just need to we need to re redo it, like re re think about how we're doing the electoral college. It's a really good point. Um, Dan, what do you oh, what do you, what do you do? I have thoughts on this one. Um, Here we go. You know, I, I, <laughs> I do agree I do agree with what you both said that there's reasons for it and there's obviously people who aren't big city, east coast, west coast liberals. But you've had two elections the last eight, 16 years, 18 years, where the popular vote winner didn't become president. Does it, does and by it? like three million votes. Well, I, don't, I forget exactly what Bush was. I think it was less than a million. But the fact that you have a person in office, yes, three million votes, and you've had two um, justices confirmed. You've had a ton of appellate and district justices. You know, they're basically destroying the court system. Um, you know, creating these um, ta- passing laws that people aren't popular. Uh, states are gutting. Um, they're going after the um, Wade. I know it's last week's. Um, you know, it's a, it's a problem that the majority of Americans are represented by the, by the minority. I, there's a stat that I don't remember. I couldn't find it. That in a couple of years, like like 20 states will represent like 70% of the population. So that's like 40 centers. It's, it's, it's a problem that you're going to have 
the majority living in condensed areas and not represented correctly. You know, elections have consequences. You know, we're seeing them. You know, if you're more more modern, more progressive, you know, you've had four justices confirmed in the last 16 years who are not friendly to, to your beliefs. You know, it's a problem. So do you want to get rid of the Torah College? I would say yes, but I do agree with Ashley in the sense that maybe there's a better way. You know, three million votes is not something to sneeze at. And I'm no. not buying his his uh, illegal immigrant BS. I should have said that word before. Great time for it. But like, yeah. you know, there has to be, you know our, our people's like me, our, my voice is not being heard. It's, it's being ignored. It's just something that's got to be done, like you said. Yeah, no, no, no. I, and I totally agree. It's just th- this one's a real. I, I, I put backloaded the uh, the discussion <laughs> with the really hot button topics because I wanted I wanted to make you guys uh, think about it. Getting me angry. But uh, yeah, this could be a whole episode. This conversation. Tell. This could be a whole episode if you really want yeah. to do it. Oh, I know. We yeah, could we could talk sure. about electoral college all day, and we could also talk about our next topic all day, and that mm-hmm. is term limits. Mm. We have term yeah. limits for presidents Sexy. too. Obviously, that's been been you know after FDR they made it a an, an amendment I believe, and you get two term limits, but you can have career politicians in the House of Representatives and um, in the Senate. So um, it, in Beto's plan, he's presented you know you get six terms as a representative, it's twelve years, and two terms as in, in as a senator, and that's that equals out to twelve years. Um, and the, I think everybody, you know, that's kind of like, eh, I guess that kind of makes sense. But where a lot of people are kind of, you know, diverting from this is the Supreme Court, because he wants to have term limits for the Supreme Court. And his, I'm going to read this to you specifically, yeah, I forget 18, how many years. Yeah. 18 year terms for the Supreme Court, after which the justices would be permitted to serve on the Federal Court of Appeals. And I'm going to go right back to what you said Um the court system has been absolutely skewed in the last two years by these uh, judicial confirmations. So that creates an issue of long after uh, the current administration is out of the white house, we still have, we're, we still have blowback from judges who aren't qualified um, judges who really like beer and which isn't a problem. <laughs> and squeeze. still like beer and can't like- forget squee. Um, not doggy dog. I'm sorry, I can't. I, that 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 still cracks me up. Um, but <laughs> that's an issue, right? You know, it, that's a given. And you've got people coming from all over. So we're gonna sp- kind of specifically stick to the Supreme Court. What kind of issues do you see as as blowback um, from having a um, a you know term limits on on the SCOTUS, Ashley? This one's really hard for me too, and I think that I'm a little bit jaded from the perspective of just graduating from law school and that I feel very strongly that, that these justices have, you know, worked their lives for this role. But at the exact same time, I see the flip side argument of this. This is why I never survived in politics because I see both sides of everything. Um, (laughs) That's the the way everybody should be. Exactly. That's, that's how you get bipartisanship is, is you see things both ways and you're able to make, make agreements. That's how our, our government should work. Should work that way. So at the end of the day, I think, I don't know about the 18 years specifically, but I think after I thought about this for the last couple of days, really hard actually, um, I think at the end of the day, seeing some sort of term limit wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. You know, while I love RBG as much as the next law student, um, 
you know, I the next, the next human. Come on, we all love her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody What's loves not her. to love. <laughs> and and I want to see her around for as long as humanly possible. Eighteen I... more months. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At least that long. And I do see the need. I see the need for the turnover of justices. I think it would also help us work towards a streamlining of the confirmation process and because you're going to see more turnover so you're not just gonna be waiting for people to die as morbid as that is you're not gonna be waiting for it um so i think it, it really could really help us get even better justices no matter what side of the aisle you're on at the end of the day which at the end which is then going to just give us better better rulings so oh a thousand percent yeah I, that's perfect that's that's exactly I, right I'm leaning more towards I'm okay with some sort of term limit. I think it needs to probably be at least 20 years. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. I and 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 to another point, we definitely need um, there needs if a, if a justice goes out, we need to make sure. Like I think what was it Scalia who died, and they held mm-hmm. that seat open for like a year. That shouldn't yeah. have ever happened. That should that that shouldn't be allowed. I think we need to we need to fix that aspect of it um as well um so dan term limits scotus where you at yeah i i do tend to agree um i don't i don't necessarily agree with the house and senate term limits because they they are voted in by by um by people i know in a in a non-gerrymandering world the house you know you could primary look at what aoc did and i believe kevin Cantor is that the name who got primaried in virginia Eric Canner, Eric Canner, Eric Canner. Yeah, so there's ways to primary, and there, you know, if you don't like your own party, primary that person. Um, unfortunately, you know, hope we can get rid of Mitch McConnell somehow and uh, Lindsey Graham. But you know, you're right, <laughs> and I'm actually on board. I would be on board with court packing to add two more judges, but that's just me. But there has to be a way to make it so you don't get on the court for too long, and you know, pre- maybe more presidents have a chance to to nominate somebody. Um, just because you think about it, if you had an election, election for Supreme Court justices today, the majority would probably be, would be more liberal, more moderate, not be conservative. Uh, no, I agree. I yeah. Agree so you know, it has to be, that's... I don't know. That's, and I don't know. I, I just feel like, you know, the judge system has been kind of warped and diluted. And I just, I, you know, I, so I would be on board term limits. 20 years sounds like a good number. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty solid. It's a nice round yeah. number. It is. Um, right. I two. thought 18 was random. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't, that's the one thing I didn't love about Beto's policy was his term limit. He didn't seem so, I don't want to say so clear, but it seemed to kind of, you know, rush together. Like, I guess I, he's, he's definitely to, to that point. I know he's been putting it together um, for a while. And I can tell you that he, where he got his, uh, his number for the house was because uh, him and Amy, who is his wife, they sat down and said, well, all right, well, how long are we going to do this? And 12 years. That's what they decided. That's what they decided was a good amount. So that's actually, that that is coming from someplace. He's, he's actually, um, yeah. that, that is, that's not, that's not so random. 18 okay. year terms. I have no idea. Hmm. I'm a, I'm a round number guy myself, but you know, mm-hmm. to each his own. Um, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna present you guys with one more question, and I actually have something for Ashley specifically after I ask you this uh, after I ask you guys this next question. So Dan, you're gonna go first. Okay. Um, what would a candidate have to do right now to secure your vote? I know you've mentioned that you um, you're kind of in the Warren camp as it stands, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you know what is what is she, tell me what she's doing different. Honestly, I it's, they're they're pretty similar. Uh, minus gender and 30 years of age or so. Um, 
I, I can't. I don't think I can pinpoint one thing. Um, I do like Beto. I like him a lot. Um, I, part of why I'm more on her because she's, you know, new, she's on the rise and he's not so much on the rise. Um, here's another the issue I have. I know we don't have time for this discussion. Is I don't like the primary process. I don't. I hate the caucus situation. Uh, I don't like that. You know, certain states have more power because they get to go first. I don't. My my primary date is a June fourth or June tenth. So I might not have a say in this election. Um, you know, that's, and that to me, it's a shame. Uh, I'm talking about just their franchising. Um, but there's nothing really that they can do. It's right, really good right point. Now. Yeah, like I, I'm gonna have. Like, I can, you know, I can tweet stuff out. I can. I'm not gonna start a podcast. I'm not gonna go on Twitter. All, like you do, but like you know, I, there's not much I can do other than go, and you know, playing a small part. So it's a shame. Um, but really, like if the voting was tomorrow, I I like Warren. I like that she, you know, she has her she has her plans. But, you know, she, you know, student debt and the policies are kind of the same. And I, I, I would love a Warren bet, a battle ticket. Uh, I, you know, I could see him being groomed and running in eight years. So I mean, she wins two terms. Um, and listen, I like Beto and when he ran for Senate, I liked him after he lost. And I like him now. But it's like really it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly why I favor her more than I favor him. You know, it sounds like you and I need to uh, have a little bit more in-depth conversation. <laughs> we can we can bring you over to the. Beto side, <laughs> well, like I said, you're wasting time on me if I don't can. But if in June's my primary and it's already a nominee, but not, and that's a fair point. I yeah. totally get that's get, part of my I problem. I totally right now. get where you're coming from with that. So Ashley, um, I'm not sure 100 percent where you you stand, but what would a candidate have to do right now to secure your vote? Show me that they're going to actually be willing to be bipartisan. Coming from a background of being much more, cons- much, 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 much more conservative in my younger days mm-hmm. and um, really having kind of really like just deep mental conversations with myself um, and, and changing how I feel about certain things, I think that I'm, I want to see some bipartisanship. Having been in the legislature, it, it does truly help even when you're dealing with some of the most polarizing issues, whether you want to talk about abortion or um, LBGTQ or voting rights or whatever it is you're talking about, when you're willing to have that conversation on both sides and have the discussion, that's when the best legislation comes out and you rarely see it today. Hence why I'm not going really back into politics. Like this type of thing I'm totally down for because I can talk and, and really rationalize and explain how I feel. So there's no one out there at the moment that's got me 100% or probably even 50%. Um, but be willing to have the conversations. I love that Beto is having the conversations and putting plans out there. I am tired of politicians saying we need to change these things, but we can't get it yet. And gun rights is a major area where you see that happen. Yes, we know we need change, but we're not going to do anything. Beto is at the very least putting some stuff out there. Yeah, exactly. Putting things out there and saying, I have no idea if this is actually going to work, but this is my plan. This is how I would, I would push to change things. And you know, you're a step of you're yeah, you're a step beyond everybody else at this point. So um, I have no idea what anybody would need to do specific policy wise, other than be willing to have those tough conversations and understand that we're a two party system for the time being and, and we got to be able to work in that system and I, I i completely agree with you and here's here's your extra question right. because bonus round oh i feel like bo- that dun, 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 dun. bonus round <laughs> um 
so I know that you did a little bit of work with the Gullah Geechee people in yes. South Carolina, and and we had had a conversation about that. And I don't know much about them, and I know that's something that you had worked with your college on, and Beto actually went and just spoke with them. Um, he went and he saw the, uh, the grave of Robert Smalls, which I talked about earlier on before you guys came on. And I know that you said, man, I, I like seeing these guys get a little, some, some kind of attention is, is just awesome. Like, tell me how, to, how does that make you feel? I, I think it, it really kind of stood out to me because knowing the history of the Gullah Geechee in a way that I never intended to know. Um, but knowing the true honest to goodness disenfranchisement as in no one even knows who they are. And then you have an, a presidential candidate who's willing to reach out. I mean, if that doesn't make you stop and go, wow, he's doing something different, I don't know what can. They're um, a really, really interesting group. There's so much history in the Gullah Geechee. So much of our nation um, is, is drawn back to them. Kind of brief note, the initial slaves in this country came in through South Carolina and they were predominantly Gullah Geechee. They were the Gullah Geechee, what is now the Gullah Geechee Nation. So, um, you know, our history is there. And so he's tying as, you know, as far back as he can get and wants these people's opinions. And I don't, I can't think of a single politician that's ever, that's ever done that, except for maybe some local, some local politicians here in South Carolina. So um, it, it makes me really happy to see that, that that specific group of people is, is getting a say and getting to have their voices heard and um, stand out a little bit because I think they have a lot, a lot to say. And honestly, a lot of really great ideas could come out of that community. That's that's great, and that's one of the big things about Beto's campaign is that he's he, he wants everybody to be included, um, whether our, our views are different, whether we support Elizabeth Warren or we don't know who we who you. Um, are I don't know support Beto, for. Chris. Relax. I, no, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm not pointing fingers or judging you. I'm just saying he wants to bring all of us in, Republicans, Independents, and Democrats, and that's what our what our. Um, that's what it's all about. Um, I want to close out. I want to say thank you guys for coming on. You guys have had some great conversations. This has actually gone on for quite a bit. I, I wanted to cut it off a bit ago, but we, it just we did this. This it it all came together. So I really appreciate you guys going on. You really drove the conversation. We really talked about some. Sorry, Hannah. Um, <laughs> some very interesting things um but for right now guys if if you're not volunteering for beto you can go to his website host an event we've got the uh well this will have air uh gone up after the debates um do some research on the debates um after they come out push push beto's message um we have an fec deadline coming deadline coming on june 30th you guys get out donate canvas 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 knock on doors clipboard hold meetups hold events um but for right now uh that's all i'm chris and uh let's uh keep looking ahead to beto days <laughs>